Good Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Season Review Podcast brought to you by our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. Check them out on social media on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore Climate. Tennessee beat South Carolina a year ago 41-21. to They get the Will Muschamp monkey off their back in this game. Jerry Garantano looks terrific at one point, breaks his hand, and J.T. Shrout throws a deep ball better than anybody thrown a deep ball all year long to Marquez Callaway. A lot of storylines within this game, guys, and some of them will carry over uh, moving into the, to the 2020 season, provided that we play football this fall. What's your overarching takeaway from rewatching this game? Rob, I'll start with you. Yeah, several. I mean, first of all, you, you mentioned Jarrett. I mean, after what happened in, in Tuscaloosa just the week before for him to – you know, kind of be, be as effective as he was. I mean, this kind of, kind of storybook. I mean, really, you know, had some really good moments. And, man, I, I'd forgotten it. But go, going back on rewatch, man, Daniel Matili, defensively, big, big, big time game. And, and Juwan, I mean, just, I mean, probably maybe his signature performance, you know, when you, when you just talk about stats, I mean, showing up. And um, the, you're talking about one single play. It's a play you, you mentioned. Jarrett, you know, breaking his hand. That play where he hung in the pocket and you know just took a took a beating and 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 laid laid one on Jawan, who also took a huge shot in the end zone. Um, I mean, just th- those are the things that stand out to me about this game after watching it. And and that one play kind of you know sums up the you know I, I think JG. In total, I mean, it's, you're talking about what two, two or three quarters after he had the play that I think every every Tennessee fan is going to remember forever, where he called his own shot on the goal line at Alabama, and then three quarters later he, you know, hangs in there and and, and lays that one to Jawan in the end zone. For for me, I, it, it, the game was kind of a summary of all of last season. I mean, right out of the gate, they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> the long touchdown pass where the, where the safety was late coming over. Tennessee had every reason. The air went out of the stadium. Um, but, you know, these kids fought. And, and you know, after you kind of got over the fact that, you know, they decided to go with Shrout because they didn't feel like they could trot J.G. out there right away, J.G. comes in, plays really well. Even when he gets hurt, Shrout comes in. And, and you know, it was – I mean, everybody remembers the deep ball to Callaway. But, you know, he was efficient on a couple of other throws as well. And uh, I, I thought this was kind of a game, too, where Kayvon Bennett started to make his uh, presence felt a little bit more, um, you know, alongside Daryl Taylor coming off the edge. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this is <clears> – <throat> I think this has been its best game all season. Um, he's probably actually even more effective than DT in this game. Uh, I, I'm, I think Austin kind of touched on it. To me, it's that Tennessee didn't blink. And this is kind of when – there was multiple times in this game uh, whether it's when they have an awesome drive, 17 plays, they get all the way down and they, they can't score a touchdown again. Uh, you know, a uh, huge face mask penalty goes against them. Pruitt's, you know, just enraged on the sidelines, killing the rest. Okay, don't blink. Third and 14, JG takes a shot, touchdown to Jawan. Obviously, the first play of the game, McCullough, you know, gets uh, confused with, with the fake screen. Warriors late coming over. It, it was just – this, I think, became the, their kind of mantra for the rest of the season. When something goes wrong, all right, turn the page and keep, and keep on keeping on. 
and so what happened in this game is they played probably the most complete game they played all season. In terms of complementary football, you know, offensive line pass protection was great this game. Javon Kinlaw, you know, was pretty much a non-factor. Trey Smith doing well against him there. But even Jameer Johnson comes in. Wanye and Darnell get hurt. Jameer Johnson comes in and plays really well. Marcus Tatum even had some moments in this game. Uh, you talk about special teams. You block a punt, return a kick for a touchdown. They obviously, you know, held Holinsky down in the second half. I just thought this was, you know, their most complete win of the season and, and started this course correction for what ultimately was the first of six straight wins to, to close the year. How much of this was just a combination of – you know, you find a way to beat Mississippi State, so you learn how to win a little bit, and then you're angry over Alabama because you realize you had a chance there. Maybe you didn't get enough help. You know, got some bad calls from the officials, had the crazy fourth down play. How much of this kind of mental fortitude shown in this game was just the result or the resolve that was built from the eight previous quarters, you think? I think part of it. You know, I mean, I think that – you know, Tennessee had been building, and then, you know, I think the Callaway punt return, while it was not an offensive play or a defensive play, it was, you know, something that kind of loosened everybody up because all of a sudden you had the lead, and then I thought Tennessee started to play more free after that. So, I mean, you could tell that they had been building, dating back to the win against Mississippi State. I thought they actually played better against Bama than – they did against Mississippi State. They just found a way to gut through a win uh, against the Bulldogs. Um, but everything kind of was building towards, you know, South Carolina, and they gutted through it and found a way. Well, this was also – I will say that this was also – and I had written this, and then when you're re-watching it, you notice it. This is why they hired Jim Chaney. This is why Pruitt paid all that money for Jim Chaney uh, because he kind of eased J.T. Shrout into the game early. You know, the Wildcat play is a great call with Jawan. It gets negated, you know, because of a penalty. But that's a great call. Um, and then once he realized that they could block him, he just called shot play after shot play after shot play. Uh, and Tennessee hit him. The protection was there. And I think they had, like, seven completions in the second half alone, you know, over 20 yards or something. And so uh, they, they were just – this was a Jim Chaney game. And then secondly – uh, you know, they dominated the second half. South Carolina just could do nothing. And while Tennessee didn't dominate the, every second half for the rest of this winning streak, they found ways to finish the game, a la Kentucky, a la Indiana. And I think that kind of started here or, or really culminated here. We saw it start, you know, in the Mississippi State win a couple weeks prior. You know, I thought it was interesting in the halftime interview, uh, Jim, or Jeremy Pruitt was asked about his offense. And he said, hey, we gotta, we got we to gotta take more shots. we got to get more aggressive with the play calling, which wasn't – I didn't take it at the time as a shot at Jim Chaney, but clearly when you come out at the second half, that's what Tennessee did. I mean, they went out and, and, and took shot after shot after shot. I, I, upon rewatch, Rob, I had circled uh, Tennessee's scoring drive where Jerry Garantano got hurt and, and the, the, you know, the pass he threw to Juwan Jennings. And, and you go back and you watch that, he throws a 22-yard completion to Josh Palmer that was put the only place that anybody was going to catch it was Palmer down the sideline where he toe-tapped and got a foot in. He has a rollout completion to Palmer for eight yards where he throws the ball on time on an out pattern with great velocity, 
and then he drops that one in to Jawan Jennings for 19 yards. If you could bottle up that drive, then Tennessee has no questions at their starting quarterback position. But then you have also in that game, his deep shot to Callaway should have been a touchdown, ended up being a jump ball because he hung it up and it was late. Shrout comes back later in the game and throws it the way you're supposed to, and Callaway walks into the end zone. I, I thought it was interesting in this game where there were moments that, that Jared, you know, looked like he's the guy, and then there's still those moments where he seemingly is laid with the ball. If you could bottle up that one drive, I don't think Tennessee fans would be talking as much about the quarterback position this offseason. No, I agree. And, and you saw, I mean, there were a, a, at least one, and I think maybe two, occasions where the, the little swing route the running back, he, you know, <laughs> he made that a circus a, a couple of times. and That was he, all year. Yeah, but there, there, that was in evidence again, you know, in this game. You know, one of those where, you know, he threw it high or, threw, you know, threw it in the dirt, like one of the two. But, you, I mean, you mentioned Josh Palmer, Hover. I mean, Jawan was so good in this game. But, you know, Josh made a couple of, of big-time catches. And, and I had, you know, written this down and put an asterisk by it when, when you talk about, you know, J.G. underthrowing Callaway on, on the one um, – early when, when, when Cheney had, had drawn it up perfectly. And then Shrout, that, that might have been the best ball a Tennessee quarterback threw all year long when, when, when uh, JT came in and hit him. And I thought it was a great play call from Cheney because it was a series immediately after Jarrett got hurt. I'm sure, you know, South Carolina thought Tennessee's going to get a little conservative. And um, <laughs> Jim Cheney dialed up that shot and, and Shrout just, you know, laid a dime on it. I mean, I thought that – he could have ordered. He could have ordered pizza. He had so much time on that play too. I mean, he would roll out and, and then was able to cock it back and 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 throw it. I thought honestly too. I thought honestly too. They don't score on the on the drive, but the seventeen play, seventy eight or eighty yard drive, whatever it is, that stops at the goal line. That was a confidence booster for the offense. I think, uh, even though again they, they hit a lot of these big plays later in the game. But they converted three or four third and longs on that drive. JG with a couple nice passes. You mentioned one of the Palmer catches. Ty Chandler has the big run on the draw play. Uh, third and 11, you know, Ken Law just completely gets smashed uh, on that play. So I thought that was kind of a confidence booster that, you know, got, got the thing rolling uh, for the rest of the game. Yeah, hey, you mentioned Ken Law. I think if I'm Trey Smith, I'm, I'm bottling up this film. And uh, make, make, making sure that my, my agent is shopping this thing around next year. Yeah, they they man they manhandled they you know they handled him all day up front, and they did it with various combinations on the offensive line, as Jesse mentioned. You know, you you know they had to play with you know the two tackles got hurt, and Jameer Johnson has you know was non-existent, and then ended up coming back in and and being a, you know having to be a factor in this game. A couple of other things that, that jump out to me. I mean, Callaway scores the touchdown on the punt return, and then it's Eric Gray for two consecutive punt returns. That that was kind of bizarre. And then the previous the previous week, you had uh, Tim Jordan being the guy at, at Alabama, and he was a non-factor in this game as well as a running back. Minus a, minus a hell hellacious block on, on one of those big plays on pass protection. Yeah, he did. And, he did. and, again, that goes back to what you talked about last week, you know, the fact that he's always going to have a place because of his ability to pass protect and, and yeah. to run as well. But he still remains Tennessee's best pass protector as a running back. 
Yeah, and I will say this in terms of, you know, spinning it forward, the offensive line, clearly this was – in terms of pass protection, I'm not sure they ever had a better game than this last season. Gives you uh, some optimism because most of those guys, minus Marcus Tatum, are obviously back. Uh, but, man, Jawan – Tennessee, it's just going to be fascinating to see how they can replace his production uh, because it, it isn't just, you know – he obviously had the, the touchdown catch where he gets smashed and, and makes that play. But the amount of broken tackles in this game from the first Ridiculous. from the first long touchdown to the other, it's just he accounted for so much hidden yardage for this offense. It's just it's gonna be amazing to see who fills that void next season, or else Tennessee's gonna have to basically complete three or four more passes a game, you know, just to replicate said yardage. You know, Austin, it's pretty amazing when you watch this game in particular, but you look at the, the whole season and we've watched Jawan through all of the, the, the rewinds so far. We'll continue to watch the rest of the way. It, it is pretty amazing nobody in the, in the NFL fell in love with him earlier than they did. I, I get he's not the fast guy, but when you watch the tape and see what this guy does as a gunner on punts, you know, punt coverage, the, the, the tough plays he makes, the, the, what he does as a wildcat guy, Pretty amazing that, that he ended up in the draft. I'm not saying he should have been a second or third round pick, but surprising he didn't go higher than he did. Well, in my opinion, uh, you know, it's everybody loves to talk about the speed, but to me it's the separation he gets through his route running. I mean, you go back to the double move at Alabama. You know, there were several instances where, you know, it, while he's not a guy that's super shifty, he, he knows how to use his body and, and, and he runs crisp routes. So. Um, you know, for me, you're exactly right. I, I, you know, I couldn't agree more that I'm surprised somebody didn't fall in love with him sooner. But hey, the 49ers are hoping he can have a, a you know, an impact more so than, than you know, uh, you know, some of the other receivers they've taken in recent years. Much like if you're Trey Smith, to get back to Rob's point a minute ago, just because I didn't speak on it, if you're Trey Smith, you're hoping that Ken Law has a monster rookie year for for the for the 49ers, and then you can flip on that tape, but. You know, Jawan, Jesse's right, hidden yardage. Um, you know, Tennessee maybe can, you know, hit the deep ball more with some more athletic, speedy wide receivers. But what he was able to do across the middle of the field, uh, you know, it's, you just can't, you know, you can't understand it enough. I do wonder with Jawan's draft stock if if uh, he was one of the – and this was not just him. This is this is a lot of guys I think were penalized or hurt by this pandemic oh, like that well, not, I don't think a pro day was going to help Jawan that much because he wasn't going to run any faster. He was going to run when he ran. But, I, I, you know, a lot of these teams outside of the Tua's and whatnot who, you know, they went out, they made crazy measures to find out. They didn't have a lot of access in terms of medicals. They you pretty much only had uh, what they had at the combine, so you weren't doing follow-up testing. Jawan's been a guy that we know has been hurt multiple times. So I wonder if the medicals were a concern. And then even if it's some of it's unfounded and unfair, we saw how the coverage went, you know, on draft day for a number of kids where they love to highlight some of their worst moments or worst moments in, the, in their families' lives. There's no doubt that I'm sure some teams had some character concerns about Jawan or wanted to at least have some of those conversations. And it's just harder to do, you know, via Zoom or whatever than it is sitting in a room face-to-face. -face. And so Jawan was not the only guy that was penalized, I think, uh, for again, lack of medicals and that kind of stuff, but I do think that that probably hurt him and, and why he uh dipped uh, as we all agree lower than he should have been taking. Yeah, I think I, I, Bolden. 
You what? You what, Rob? You I, think think he's, I think he's Anquan Bolden. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've been saying that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think – I mean, I just – the more you watch him, you know, when you go back and rewatch it, the greater appreciation that you have for what he did for this team. Wanting the ball in a critical moment, making a play in a critical moment. Um, you know, they probably could have used him, Austin, in the Wildcat a little bit more uh, in, in some of their short yardage and goal line struggles, looking back on it. Um, he's just a guy that, you know, when you got to have a play, you knew that he wanted the ball and he was going to make a play. And I think the question with this team moving forward is not just at the receiver spot, but who's the guy on offense that wants the ball, that you're going to get the ball to, um, that, that you're going to say, hey, um, th- this is, you know, this is the guy. And, and I think that's the question mark for this offense moving forward right now. And, and that's not to say they can't find one, but he was clearly the guy. And I think the question is who's going to be the guy for this team? Well, you're exactly right. I mean, and, and you brought the point. He was either going to make the play or he was going to die trying. I mean, the, you know, the, the effort, you never questioned the effort, you know. And, um, you know, what can, you know, D'Angelo Gibbs be? I mean, you know, obviously when he was, you know, out there on the scout team, several people talked about he had similar qualities. Not the same guy, but similar qualities to break tackles. Can Can he – can he you know, give you half of what Juwan gave you? Because if he can, from that standpoint, he still would be a very productive player. So, um, you know, you, you look back, I mean, Tennessee's got this core group of seniors that help them down the stretch, and trying to replace those guys is going to be very difficult, whether it be Daniel Batuli or Nigel Warrior, Daryl Taylor, Jawan Jennings, Marquez Callaway. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Nigel Warrior because I thought he was, you know, again started to assert himself, started to find the game. I mean, he and Batuli combined for 25 tackles in this game. And and, and look, South Carolina was not stretching the field other than the opening play, Jesse. So Tennessee could set on some stuff. But the, but the way Nigel Warrior attacked the perimeter at the line of scrimmage with some of that quick game stuff that South Carolina ran was something he clearly was not doing earlier in the year as he started to get comfortable in Ansley's defense and with Ansley coaching him. Yep, and on a similar note, I mean, in terms of 2020, I thought this was, this was a really good Schamberger game. I mean, he made multiple knifing tackles on a similar play, you know, from the star nickel spot, kind of uh, slicing into the backfield. Um, and, you know, we talked about his versatility. Where could he line up for this defense depending on – some of the other guys and pieces in the secondary, but you at least feel like, hey, he's going to be out there somewhere. You know, where's the best place for Sham? We'll see. But, uh, you know, I like him at that star spot, and this is a really good game for him right here. Yeah, i tell you another guy who, I, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, but I, I just don't think you're going to keep him completely out of the rotation. I just think Kenneth George can play a little bit. I, I mean, you know, again, I know that this was not a South Carolina team that had great deep threats and, you know, the Edwards kid made an unbelievable catch over him on that third down at the end of the first half, which was a crazy catch. I just like the way he plays physical out there in terms of getting off blocks. I just – I think if you're you're Derek Ansley, you have some comfort level with Kenneth George if you need to go six DBs or you need to rotate in at some at the corner position. I, I don't know how you don't like some of the potential in his game moving forward. Yep. I, I mean, I think, I think, you know, it's going to be uh... – which is what you want, which is what Jeremy and those guys want, which is going to be a battle for, you know, those first two corner spots. You know, it's, it's not going to just be handed to Bryce or Alante. 
you know, they're going to have to keep George off the field. Yep. So Tennessee gets the big win over South Carolina. Um, obviously, some career games for some guys who are not going to be in Tennessee uniform next year, as we talked about with Jawan Jennings. But a lot of confidence building for some young guys who are going to be on the field for Tennessee uh, th this fall uh, if we're playing football when you talk about uh, Garantano. Even JT Shroud has to take some confidence from this game. I know he got – you know, he, he made the misstep on the scramble, getting out of bounds. But he, you know, he managed the game down the stretch, made a couple plays after Garantano got hurt. And you saw some other young players, as we mentioned on defense, make some plays as well. So Tennessee finds a way, and, and they win in their most complete game of the year, and it starts to stretch down the, you know, this run down the rest of the stretch of the season, which we're going to talk about each and every week here for the coming weeks as we uh, – get you into the summertime, and hopefully get you back to some football players on campus at some point. Hey, in East Tennessee, you need a reliable heating and air system designed for your home and our climate. You need a team that's trained and held to the highest of standards. Again, you need solutions, not sales pitches. It's going to get hot. Your air conditioning's getting ready to work overtime. There are many heating and air companies in East Tennessee. There's only one name you got to remember. That's Blue Water Climate Control. They're family-operated, veteran-owned. They offer a variety of ways they can assist you from financing, from rent to own, um, you know, they, they have same as cash, all kinds of things like that. And they're going to, if you have an issue, they're going to send out a repair guy, not a sales guy, to look at what you need, whether it's a new system, do you need a major repair, a simple repair, whatever you need to make your air conditioning work for you. The air conditioning expert is going to come to your home and tell you what you need. They're going to lay it out for you. So give Blue Water a call today at 865-299-2290 or visit them at bluewaterclimatecontrol.com to make an appointment. Blue Water is an authorized dealer for American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning. For Jesse Simonton, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday Season Rewind podcast. We'll talk to you on the Mailbag podcast on Friday.